Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is DW, David Walker, and I'm here with my co-host for the post-game podcast, Evan Birchfield. And for the first time ever in the Matt Ryan era, first time since 2007 for the Atlanta Falcons, they have started 0-2. For those of you that didn't know, Matt Ryan has never started 0-2 in his career until this season Obviously, the Falcons lost to the Dallas Cowboys on the road, and not only did they lose, they lost in spectacular fashion. Uh, so, Evan, before we jump into this, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I was doing great. It's a nice um, Sunday, or it was. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Falcons have a way of ruining that for us. So, <laughs> Also, folks, if you're looking for me and DW to call you and tell you everything's going to be okay. Just stop listening right now. <laughs> yeah, this is not this is not going to be that podcast. Um so where we're at the the Cowboys won 40 to 39. Um that was with the Falcons having at one point a 20 point lead. They had a 19 point lead uh at the beginning of the second half. Um and it looked like they were going to uh, sneak out with a close victory and they gave up an onside kick. I mean, so many things went wrong in this game. Uh, honestly, the Falcons were gifted quite a few opportunities in this game. Coming in, uh, Tyron Smith, uh, the left tackle for the Cowboys, was out. They were already down to their backup, backup right tackle, which meant the opportunities for the pass rush should have been enormous. Uh, on top of that, they also lost uh, their starting tight end uh, and Leighton Vander Esch uh, and Sean Lee, uh, who was lost earlier uh, before the season even began. So they were perilously thin at linebacker. And yet the Falcons still found a way to uh, give up 40 points uh, in this game to a Cowboys offense um, that, uh, you know, initially didn't look like they were able to get anything done. Uh, and yet they were able to put together. Uh, a run of points in the second half that uh, really just sort of stunned this Atlanta team. And uh, to be blunt, has stunned uh, Atlanta fans. I, I myself, you know, we're recording this immediately after the game. And Evan, I think uh, you probably feel the same way. Uh, I am. I feel numb, angry, uh, frustrated. And uh, as I typed out in my recap for the game that posted immediately after the game, uh, Dan Quinn, in my opinion, deserves to be fired now. So what are your thoughts on the game, how it played out, and what this means for this Atlanta franchise right now? Um, first off, this felt like the longest game ever. I, I, in our Falcoholic chat, it's like 
that first 20 points, um, as you mentioned, the Falcons were up 20 to zero at one point. It's like, we were all like, Whoa, what is, what is happening? Like DW, you can allude to this. Like, we're like, Whoa, like, this is crazy. The team's looking good. Um, and then just, I don't even, it's like a blur. I mean, Julio Jones is dropping touchdown passes wide open and dude, I'm just, I don't know. It's like I'm deflated. I'm not I'm not, 28 to 3 the Super Bowl biggest stage that broke me to where I'm not going to get emotionally upset over this team because at least not this current regime because I understand that they don't know how to finish games. Like they just don't know how to do it. Um and even the times where they've held on and they've been up big, it's like they always let the other team back into it. They don't know how to finish them off and Today was just another example of it. Um, you know, we were talking about before the show, like I can't put any blame on Dirk Cutter. He he can't catch that yeah. ball for Julio Jones. Um, they scored 39 points. Probably what, a good 90% of the time, 39 points is good enough to win you a ball game. Um, at, at, at least. It, yeah, yeah, or at more. least put you in position. The offensive coordinator is gonna, not going to hear any shit if they put up 30-plus points. They're just not going to. Um, right. And today, the way the defense... Now, there were injuries. You know, I don't want to get too wrapped up in all this. There were some injuries. Uh, Dak had a groin issue and stuff. Um, Fowler came out a couple times. I know Rico had, like, an elbow injury. Uh, I think KZ had something. I mean, there were injuries if we really wanted to play devil's advocate here. But there's still no explanation for um, letting the Cowboys come back and win this game um uh, one of the i think it was like nfl.com or something where they can as you go predict what what the chances are the falcons or whatever team uh you're watching like what their chance of winning is and with like two minutes left the falcons were at 99.9 percent because they were up by nine points um yeah i don't i like dan quinn as a person let me be on record as saying that but how he keeps his job um, how Thomas Dimitrov keeps his job beyond me. I, I, I will lose like, and I love Arthur blank. Like I don't, I'm never going to say anything bad about him, but I will lose faith in, in his ownership, uh, duties. If, if they're just, uh, no big deal because this shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't. If you want to get like destroyed yep. by the Cowboys, that's one thing, but allowing them to come back in the way they did you'd have to really if you didn't watch the game you're not going to fully understand like you need to watch it because the, it was as if the falcons just gave up and i haven't seen something like this since 28 to 3 unfortunately um it, it was just rough and then the thing i can't get out of my mind is the final well not it wasn't the final play but the onside kick where the cowboys got the ball back is special teams not knowing what the hell they're doing like yeah, they literally exactly. did what the Cowboys were supposed to do. For anybody who didn't watch the game, Cowboys did an onside kick. The Falcons players are supposed to jump on the ball ASAP, while the Cowboys players, who are hoping to recover the ball, watch it go 10 yards. It has to go 10 yards. If it goes anything shy of 10 yards or the Falcons jump on it, Falcons ball. They, yeah. The Falcons players were in position to recover the ball well before the 10-yard mark. And they just stood there and watched it roll. Like, yep. who, I don't, uh, 
I don't understand if I'm like, Oh God, I don't even know what to say. And, and even worse. They took a timeout before the onside kick to get prepared for it, which I think only adds to the humiliation of what happened there. Um, so yeah, you spoke a lot about how the team clearly, clearly just was not prepared uh, for what should have been a simple uh, recovery on the onside kick. So, uh, but I, I would argue when you're up, you know, 39, you've got 39 points. Uh, if your defense gives up 37 points, you have already in many ways failed uh, in dramatic fashion. So it, it almost seemed appropriate that they would give up that onside kick because the defense uh, didn't do their, and you know, they didn't do their job. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And uh, we can say what we want about the special teams and they deserve a ton of criticism. Uh, but ultimately uh, this defense could not stop the Cowboys in the second half period. They never, they, they just were incapable of stopping um, this Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott led uh, offense. So with that, I want to look at some of what the Cowboys offense did in this game. Uh, Dak Prescott went 34, 47 for 450 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's so ridiculous. Um, Zeke Elliott, 22 carries for 89 yards and the touchdown. Um, Dak had three rushing touchdowns on the game. Uh, you know, all goal line rushes. Um, Cowboys had two 100-yard receivers, C.D. Lamb, six receptions, 106 yards. Amari Cooper, six receptions, 100 yards. Uh, Dalton Schultz, their backup tight end, had nine receptions for 88 yards. I mean, come on. This is, uh, this is embarrassing. Uh, if, you're, if you're a defensive unit, um, there's no way you can justify what was just done to you in that game. You can point the fingers at special teams, and they deserve uh, a lot of blame, but – uh, the defense giving up 40 points it should never, under any circumstances, uh, be acceptable. And I feel like they deserve a ton of criticism in this game, especially, especially when they had such a favorable matchup from the offensive line. Offensive line with two backup offensive tackles. Um, it, this is this was a prime opportunity. And they couldn't take advantage of it. I think they had just one sack on the day. Um, and honestly, they should have had four or five with the opportunities that were there for them. And it, it didn't happen. Now, granted, um, you know, Tat McKinley went out early with an injury. Dante Fowler looked like he was banged up. So that certainly contributed. Um, but they just, they just didn't get it done against backup offensive tackles, including a guy who was literally on the practice squad uh, this week and, and was starting at left tackle first, th this guy hadn't started at left tackle since he was in high school. I mean, that, that is how ridiculous this matchup should have been for the Falcons defense and they couldn't get it done. Uh, Evan, anything to add about the Falcons defense and, and what they did in this game or didn't you know, do? <laughs> no, I wanted to add to, um, you might've actually said it and I just didn't hear you, but, um, Two of Dak or Dak had, I believe, two rushing touchdowns that were at the goal line. So those could have could have easily been three rushing touchdowns for Zeke. Um, they just had their their offense took a little bit to heat up, but they had their way with our defense, especially when there was injuries and players leaving and stuff. Um, just had no answer for them. Yeah, and 
I, my social media is blowing up, and people are saying, including myself, that Dan Quinn should be fired. He should. I, I do want to say because I like him, and I think you. I think a lot of us yes. like him. Like I, I'm Bar never going to say Dan Quinn's a bad person. He's not. He wants to win. He's just incapable of it. Um, and I mentioned this to you before too. You know, it's like if you don't do your job, you get fired. Like that's just how the world is. You don't get to keep your job because you're nice and people like you. Um, Dan Quinn is a defensive-minded head coach. Our defense sucks and has sucked since he's been here pretty much. Um, yeah. The only time it really got better was when he stopped doing the defense. I know in 2016 in the second half, I believe he took over. So I don't know really what happened there. But, I mean, he had to literally give up the duties you know, last season, and that's when the defense improved. Why is he here? That's my question. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm employed somewhere, okay, I'm, work, I'm writing for the Falcolic. If I just quit writing and doing everything, why why would why would I expect SB Nation to still be paying me? Like yep. Exactly. I, I'm just I'm <laughs> mind boggled why like if if Blank cares for him, and I think that's really what it comes down to is Blank's trying to give him him and Dimitrov every chance they can to keep their jobs, as we saw last year. You know, okay, I can I can respect that kind of like he cares for people thing. But they they aren't learning their lesson. Yeah, I just and anything they're regressing. Yeah, and firing them. Realistically, history teaches us. NFL history teaches us. There's not going to be a turnaround. Like the team isn't just going to all of a sudden be a Super Bowl team. Um, uh, I just, I I mean, I guess you would get rid of Dan Quinn. Ulbrich, I think, would be probably the head coach interim for the rest of the season if they went that route. Um, yep. And, you know, Dimitrov probably gets, I don't know, do you fire Dimitrov too and then just have McKay take over? I don't know, but I don't think me and you thought it would be this bad by week two. No. I, like, my heart's t- gone now. Like, at this point, I'm like, okay, season's over. And that's stupid because there's so many games left, but this Right, week, mathematically, this they're not... Yeah, they're not out of it. You yeah. know, you can start 0-2 and, and, and still make the playoffs. But I think realistically, if you look at this team and you look at the coaching staff and you look at what they've done, at least defensively in the first two games, there is just simply no reason to believe that they're going to suddenly turn it around and become a great playoff team. Like, it, it, What about this defense makes you think they're going to become a you know top 15, top 10 defense mm-hmm. under this coaching staff? I, here, the thing that's frustrating to me is I think there is talent here to be far more competitive than they are. Um, this is, you know, a, a team that's got you know guys like uh, Grady Jarrett, um, Deion Jones, uh, Keanu Neal, uh, you know, Tat McKinley and Dante Fowler, I believe, are legitimate playmakers, and yet they gave up forty points on defense. Um, this is. It's beyond it's beyond ridiculous at this point. When you they they've given up forty points and what was it thirty eight points uh, in game one? They're averaging giving up thirty nine points per game. I know they won't keep that up, but well, that would be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who the hell knows at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but realistically, um, that would be uh, 
that would break every NFL record <laughs> in the book <laughs> for worst all-time defenses. Um, so it, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think what's crazy we, too. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to say, no, I think what's fine, crazy too is um, before, like before the complete meltdown, I was monitoring Matt Ryan's numbers and he was doing much better than his 2016 MVP season. Like, and it doesn't matter. It yeah. Doesn't, like it just doesn't even matter. I'm like, uh, that stat doesn't even matter anymore. Just doesn't matter if Matt Ryan does well because the team's going to lose anyway. So. Yeah. And uh, honestly, this is, uh, this is, I-, I would argue a more frustrating loss than we've had since any, since the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and this may rank up there with how embarrassing and pathetic it was in its nature. Um, so I, I do want to talk about the offense because I, I feel like uh, I, I want to try to end on some kind of positive note as, as little positive as, as there is going to be uh, in this game. I, I do want to try to avoid, you know, drifting completely into the darkness. <laughs> um But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholics post-game podcast for week two of the 2020 NFL season. The Atlanta Falcons going on the road and losing in heartbreaking fashion to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, This is a game, uh, Evan, that, is really about two halves of the Falcons. Um, we talked a lot about the absolute failure of the defense uh, in the first half. And and honestly, how, you know, that is really an indictment of Dan Quinn, who was brought on to, you know, be a, a essentially a defensive mastermind as we, you know, we were reminded repeatedly that he was in uh, Seattle and he has now given up 38 points and 40 points in two consecutive weeks. Granted, he is not the quote-unquote defensive coordinator. That role falls to Raheem Morris. Um, Yet, as the head coach, this ultimately falls on his shoulders. That said, um, I think the one thing I want to talk about in the second half of the podcast is what the offense did because uh, I do want to point out that the Falcons' offense scored 39 points. Um, I don't think that they were as good as their numbers showed in week one. But I feel like in week two, those 39 points were legitimate, even though they were granted, you know, a few possessions where they, uh, you know, after fumbles, they had, you know, really good uh, field position. They still converted. Uh, I saw some people saying, oh, you know, had they, they should have scored touchdowns instead of field goals. Here's the thing, folks. If you score 39 points in the NFL, that should damn well be enough to win any game. If you score 39 points, the problem was not that you had to kick field goals. That was not the problem. 39 points is more than enough. 
period, full stop. Don't tell me this falls on the offense. I am not going to hear that argument. It is blatantly stupid, all right? And I'm sorry if you get offended by this. 39 points is enough to win in the NFL unless you have just a completely inept, incompetent defensive coordinator and head coach, which is what the Falcons clearly have after two games. 39 points is more than enough. All right, Evan, let's look at the stats. (laughs) Matt Ryan, okay, God bless him. We don't deserve this man heading our franchise. 24 for 36, 273 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Okay. Um, passing game. If you game. showed me Calvin, just that, I'd say we won. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like that stat line alone should be like, oh, yeah. I you mean, clearly, he Dak. you would have won. Like Dak, yeah. Dak's numbers are inflated because of the goal line. Um, two, I think it was two rushing touchdowns, which easily could three. have been oh, three. Okay. That could have been Zeke's, you know. But in terms of passing, Matt, I mean, I don't know what more you expect from him. Yeah, and and, and I know people are going to point out, oh, well, you know, he missed a couple of deep balls, and yes, he did. He did not have, that, yeah, he didn't have a one hundred percent perfect game, but he had as good a game as you can ask mm-hmm. for from any quarterback. That if you have thirty nine points, you should damn well win that game. Anyhow, um, Calvin Ridley, uh, who has emerged as a, a superstar. Yeah. Uh, in the first two weeks of the league, seven receptions, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Hayden Hurst had a really good game, five receptions, 72 yards and a touchdown. Um, Russell Gage continues to surprise people as a legitimate option at wide receiver three, six catches, 46 yards and a touchdown. Julio was pretty quiet, uh, two catches, 24 yards, but I think some of that was injury. And I also, think some of that was the fact better. that – Remember, yeah, he, and, and he dropped a wide open touchdown from Russell Gage. Who that I mean, sure that, his did. day could have even been better. Russell Gage, let's spend one moment just to acknowledge he could not have thrown that ball better. That I oh, mean, was I was like, I, like after it happened, I was like, damn, that looked like Ryan threw that. Like it dropped right <laughs> right into Julio's breadbasket. Like it, it's cool that we have somebody who can do that again. You know, like I yep. thought that was gone with Sanu, but. Brilliant pass. It just didn't. Yeah. Connect. Yeah. And Gage deserves a ton of credit for what he's done these first two weeks. 100 yard mm-hmm. game last week. Uh, really impressive game with a touchdown this week. Um, caught some balls in traffic that I thought were, you know, exceptional catches. So uh, he's really turned into a player for the Falcons. Um, you know, the running game, again, uh, I think was lackluster. Gurley, 21 carries, 61 yards, 2.9 average. Uh, that, that has to be better. Uh, I will say this, obviously losing our right tackle um, early in the game. Uh, you know, Caleb McGarry went down with injury. It looks like it's going to be a severe knee injury. I pray it's not, but it, it looks like it will be. Um, that's going to hurt the running game. Matt Gono, um, uh, big, big, big shout out to him uh, coming in, filling it right tackle. Uh, Ryan was only sacked once in the entire game. Uh, against what may be the most talented defensive front that the team will face all year. So that's somewhat encouraging. Uh, If you're looking for a bright spot here, this offensive line held up really, really well in pass protection. Um, But overall, I felt like the offense did their job. And, and, you know, you said earlier, I feel like Dirk Cutter, while he didn't call a perfect game, I felt like it was a much better game than what we've seen in the past. And honestly, it, it should have been more than enough to win this game. 
so what were your thoughts on the offense, on Ryan, the receiving core, et cetera? Uh, I can't blame them at all. Um, Ridley really is a wide receiver one who just happens to also yeah. play with Julio Jones. Like, yeah, the dude, with a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when Julio does eventually retire, we, ha- we have, I mean, can you imagine that handoff from Roddy White um, who's up for, you know, possibly being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame to then Julio Jones to then Calvin Ridley? Like, I mean, if I'm going to give this team anything, any type of credit, it's the receiver handoff of a wide receiver one has been perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ridley yep. had his fourth um, against the Cowboys, his fourth career game um, of having multiple touchdowns, uh, two of which uh, uh, naturally have come in 2020. Um, it, early in his career, I think it was uh, 2018. He had, I think, three touchdowns against the Saints, if my memory serves me correct. And he had another game of two touchdowns that same season. Can't remember who it was against, but if you were interested, you can look it up. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about Ridley. He's one of those guys, I think we talked about it last week, he's one of those guys who was super hyped up um, by national media and fantasy football folks Mm -hmm. during the offseason, and he has more than lived up to the hype. Um, right. <laughs> can't say enough about him. Uh, I'm glad Hayden Hurst finally, you know, had his big game um, because last week kind of looked, I think he had like three receptions and 38 yards or something like that. And it looked kind of like, okay, well, that you know, maybe they're just growing. And clearly that was the case. He showed off, you know, last week he had a great athletic catch this week. Um, he had that big touchdown, 42 yards. Um, yep. The dude's more athletic than Austin Hooper. I think I think Ryan, obviously, it's going to take some time for Ryan with no preseason to kind of gel with him and use him as like a security blanket when things get rough. But it was nice to see him have a good game. Russell Gage, as you went on saying, he is looking really good. I mean, a really good wide receiver three. He could probably even be a wide receiver two if we didn't have Julio Jones. Um, right. And obviously Ridley got bumped up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't pick apart this receipt. I can't pick apart the offense in general. Like I, they did their job. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's deflating, man. Cause I, I don't know what more, and I know you went into detail and I don't want to sit here and just repeat what you're saying, but I don't know what more the offense could have done. We could sit there and nitpick and go, Oh, if Julio caught that wide open, um, touchdown, we would have won. Sure. But you know, he didn't. So, yeah. but also, are we really going to blame Julio Jones when he messes up once every now no. and then? Yeah, and I, and I think that's won us games. <laughs> exactly, and I think that's the thing is you know it, it, you can go back and nitpick um, individual offensive plays. You can look at the Julio drop. Uh, you can look at you know Matt being a little bit short on some of his deep balls and say, oh, those were missed opportunities. And you would certainly be right. But again, I just go back to the fact that if your offense gives you 39 points, that is more than enough, period. There's no, there's no way in the NFL that you score 39 points and you should lose the game, period. And uh, if, if, you, if your team needs your quarterback to be 100% accurate on all of his passes, 
if your team needs your star wide receiver to never make a mistake ever throughout the season, then you don't have a good team, period. And that's that's what I'm going back to. It, it, yes, the Falcons have invested heavily in their offense, but they, in my opinion, they did their job. 39 points. Again, 39 points is enough to win the game. Can I mention Far something? Nine. Just because... Go for it. Um, it's perfect to tie in with what you're saying. Uh, this is a stat by Scott Kasmar. Probably butchered the last name, but on Twitter. Since 1940, NFL teams who score 39-plus points and are plus three in turnovers are 676 with two losses. Ugh. So, yeah, you should. You, I mean, you should. <laughs> yeah, statistically, uh, you have the, the other team has less than a one percent chance. Way less, uh, way less. Yeah, like less than a point two percent chance of of winning, and yet the Falcons found a way to uh, to to steal that one and and hand it over to the Cowboys. And now they're zero and two. They are zero and two, and they're heading into Chicago. a stretch where they're. Oh, yeah, sorry. it's you know, uh, you know. Let's look at the the Falcons' schedule coming up because honestly, this is one of those things where we knew going in they were going to have a difficult uh, slate of games, but uh, it, it's not getting any easier, folks. Um, you know, next week they're at home. They're going to host the Bears, who are two and zero currently. Uh, then they go on the road to take on the Panthers. Uh, then they'll face the. Or I'm sorry, they go on the road to take on the Packers, and that's Monday uh, night. Then they're football. back. Yep, that's a Monday night football game. Uh, then they face the Panthers, the Vikings, the Lions, the Panthers, uh, and then the Broncos. So, you know, if you're looking at the schedule, based on today's performance, I could I could legitimately see them being a team that goes into the halfway mark of the the schedule at one and seven or two and six, um, and. That is not going to get it done. It, it'll be, the, you know, again, another season with an entire first half of the season just squandered uh, with great performances from players like, uh, you know, Ryan and Julio and Ridley, uh, just completely squandered by a defense that is, you know, incapable of stopping any offense. And that is, to me, the most frustrating thing, especially in the light of the fact that Matt Ryan, Julio Jones are on the tail end of their career. Uh, these are guys that, you know, Ryan maybe has four or five years left. Julio's probably in his last two or three years. Uh, and this this is collectively the team that we have uh, saddled them with. And it, it just seems criminal uh, to put these two guys on a defense that is dead last in the league uh, and, uh, and a coaching staff that just can't improve it year over year. Um, Evan. Final thoughts on this game, this coaching staff, uh, as we go into week three. Um, I guess, well, at least football's back. So, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. I, like you said at the top of the show, um, we're recording this, literally starting recording this moments after the game. Um, so, I mean, if you were to ask me later on, I'll probably have at least a slightly more optimistic view. But that was a rough one, and yeah. there's still a long season ago. I've seen crazy things happen, but I don't. I don't. I want to give the listeners some sort of hope, 
but the offense did their job. The defense just didn't. And that's it is what it is at this point. We're just, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm DW, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, um, I lost for words. I'm going to leave you guys with this because this just showed up on my timeline and it feels so poignant uh, from football perspective. Um, Matt Ryan has now lost five games where he hit 125 in passer rating and threw for 250 plus yards. That includes the Super Bowl and today. No other QB has lost more than three such games. Um, that, folks, breaks my heart. I am a huge believer Matt Ryan and the fact that he has been consistently saddled with disastrously bad defenses is uh, criminal in every sense of the word. Um, I I feel like we have to leave it there. This was a tough, tough loss. And at this point, um, folks, uh, I'll say it here and I'm going to repeat it uh, until it happens. But uh, in my opinion, Dan Quinn deserves to be fired. Uh, and I think many of us at the Falcoholic believe the same way. Uh, you will see our articles uh, probably from this point forward begin to reiterate that fact. Um, but this is now becoming uh, something that is uh, tarnishing the uh, legacy of a fantastic quarterback that, frankly, this franchise does not deserve. Um, so for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Uh, I promise you guys, we're going to try to be as optimistic as possible. It's getting hard. Um, and, and and Evan, actually, I'm losing track of myself. Remind our listeners where they can find you uh, on oh, the socials um, and what you've got going on. Yeah, find me on Twitter if you want, at Evan Birchfield. Um, and obviously writing at the Falcoholic. Um, you know, win or lose, we're all going to be here. Me and DW, we're going to be here next week. Um, and, you know, we got plenty of good writers, plenty of good content on there if you want to try and distract yourself or just feel like reading. Um, all of us, every writer at the Falcoholic, even up to Dave, um, we're all Falcons fans first. We just, yep. care, you know, we talk about the team, write about the team secondary. Um, so if you can't tell by this podcast, we're hurting too. Um, so we're all in this together. And, uh, yeah, we'll be uh, – playing the bears at home next week so (laughs) week three it feels like we're at week 11 but we're in week three yeah uh, honestly it's probably a good thing for the falcons that there won't be any fans in the stands (laughs) oh yeah i'm ready to i might i might wear my uh if you tune in on um, wednesday on the falcolic live i might break out a paper bag or something (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome all right, uh, guys, that's for me. You can find me on the Twitters at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod and our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time.